What's going on, everyone? This is the You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast. We are back for another episode. We've got one person here who listens to Silk. We have another person here who might not drink milk. Tom, do you drink milk? <laughs> Come on, man. Of course I do. Skin milk only. Does. If it's 1% or 2%, no good. Count him out. <laughs> if it has any type of flavor, Tom don't want it. That's true. Damn, what about chocolate milk? Nah, nah. That's a that's a classic right there, right there. But anyways, a lot to talk about um, this week for our podcast. First off, Ed, welcome back. Where the hell have you been? Thank you, Clay. I've been making moves and doing what I always do, making my Twitter followers mad by giving them that reel. But somebody got to do it, homie. Well, Tom. We want to start off, obviously, Alicia Keys. A lot to cover on this podcast with Alicia Keys. Um, first off, the album came out. Um, you know, what were your expectations going into this album? It was a little different for her. First of all, because I know the fans and the fans are listening, we love Alicia Keys. We admit she's a borderline legend at this point. She's had some classic albums. Let's just get that out of the way first. Does everyone agree on the same page? No, we're definitely on the same page. And before you go further, direct any hate to E.T. Bowser on Twitter because I know it's coming. (laughs) Go ahead, Tom, do your thing. I'm ready for the hate. So back to the original question, what was I expecting? I thought she was going to go further into the lane she's been carving for herself, which is more of a pop-friendly sound, more of an adult. No, no, give 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 them, hold on, Tom, give them the term that we've been using. Oh, no. No. That's we can't. <laughs> well, you made up it? this term. What was the term? I don't remember. I believe anymore. you called it uh, housewife music. That, that sounds I, about right. I don't even know <laughs> why you came up with that. Come on. What songs man. made you think of that? Girl on Fire? Come and, on. And uh, no, Nothing Even Matters? Oh, man. That one. Was, yeah, that one sounded. And no one. That was another one. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Cut from the same cloth. So she's been going more of a, an adult pop route, which is fine. I I actually told, I was talking to one of her fans on Twitter, uh, and I was saying that that's the way she probably thought she had to go because R&B was fading. So to maintain her mainstream relevance, that was a route. And I can't be mad at that. I don't know, what, did, what were you expecting, Ed? I was expecting exactly what you said. Now, there have been a lot of people since um, my review has been posted. Well, most of the response have been positive, I will say that. But leading up to the review, there were a lot of people, a lot of R&B faithful, wishing and pining for the days of falling. Let me keep it real for y'all because it's 2016. That is not going to happen. If you look at Alicia's career and her her growth and trajectory, just like Tom said, um, As I Am, that's the album with No One, which was huge, by the way, in case you forgot. That is when she started to shift over to that pop sound. And I don't see her going back to 2003 and 2001 to recapture that classic R&B sound. There will be elements of that in her music, but she's not going to go all the way back. So the Alicia that you remember, if you want to hear the old Alicia, you better get the old albums, because I don't think we're going to get that anymore. So I expect it more of As I Am, more of the albums that we've heard in the more recent years. And this album reflects a little bit of that, 
but it also reflects a more socially conscious sound, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Well, but first of all, shout out to Martika Vaughn. We were talking with her on Twitter extensively about Alicia Keys. She's one of her biggest fans. Yeah, shout Kyle, out to my girl. Yeah, but Kyle, so listen to the first single in common. Did you guys think they tried to capitalize on the Afrobeat phase that Drake and Bieber were making popular? Because that's the vibe I got. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I actually thought the album was going to go into that direction, which I wasn't mad about, but I don't know if it was believable coming from Alicia Keys, hence why I don't think it performed well on the charts. But that single was actually one of my favorites of the year. Um, I think if you had added a Drake or Weekend feature to it, it may have done better. But strangely enough, the single in common is just a bonus track on the album now. And what we got from the album now is more of a... Actually, Ed, I'll let you describe the album since you reviewed it. You know, talk about that album a little bit. Well, talk, first, before I get into that, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit on in common because I agree with you. When I first heard it, I was a little, eh, because it did capitalize a, on a little bit too much on the popular sound of the day, and I felt like she was kind of following instead of leading a little bit. But the song really grew on me, and it's not a bad song at all. But I understand the mentality battalion not putting it on the album because when you listen to the album's themes it just doesn't really fit so making it a bonus track i understand that for the sound of the album unfortunately it's probably better than almost everything on the album so you kind of shoot yourself in the foot by like losing probably her best song but i understand with the tone why i didn't go into the album but the album itself is Unfortunately, a little uneven because the first half of the album, some very well-written, socially conscious songs that really reflect the days and the times, and I really respect what she was doing because we need to hear these songs. Um, When you hear stuff like, I really like Girl Can't Be Be Herself, and if you love Nas like I do, it kind of was a throwback to Black Girl Lost and kind of talking about the way women can kind of lose themselves in the world. She's got a song called Kill Your Mama, I think it is, and she's talking a little bit about personifying Mother Earth and what we are doing to harm it and hurt it. These are songs that are a little different for Alicia, but in this tone and political climate, there's some really, really good content here. So that was a great direction for her, but... The other half, it's almost like she had to fill out the album because she only had six or seven songs to hit that theme. So the other half are kind of the As I Am No One kind of theme songs where it's just that disposable, poppy kind of slash R&B songs, and those songs are just so disposable. They're just so, they're fine, but they're the kind of songs that she can knock out in her sleep. And with that dual sound where you got stuff that's almost no soulish mixed with weird kind of disposable popish. You got an album that sounds like two different albums, and that really hurts. Kyle, what, you were telling one, me you, 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 sorry, Kyle, you were saying you like the album. You, why don't you tell us your uh, thoughts on it? Well, I think Ed kind of nailed it on the spot. Like, I really like the first half of the album. I think if you split the album in two, it's like two separate albums. Um, the first out, the first half of it, though, the production is very good on it. It's, you know, Alicia Keys has always had a lot of great production on her album, and the first half is no different. But the one song that really kind of stood out to me as 
I don't know, it kind of disappointed me was the one that Pharrell produced, Work On It. Um, Tom, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the album yet, but Work On It, it just wasn't executed properly for whatever reason. It had potential to be good, but it just didn't work out. Um, but the first half is great, like you said, Ed, she don't really care. That's that's classic Alicia Keys to me. Um, the gospel is a little different, but it works for Alicia Keys. Um, and then the single Blended Family, which... You know, I didn't really particularly like too much as a single. I thought it was, I don't want to say corny because, you know, the subject is definitely relatable to a lot of people, but it just didn't seem right as a single. But once you put it on the album and you listen to it from top to bottom, it actually works out better. Yeah, I agree with that song specifically because when I heard it, not even that it was a bad song. It just sounds more like an album cut than a single. Like you don't. It's weird to hear someone singing on the radio about how, hey, stepchild, I know that you know that all of your business is in the tabloids, and your mama and I used to hate each other, but now we love each other, and we all love the family. This is too much going on for a single. So it kind of took me aback. But in the context of the album, it's great because it's a song talking about family and again this is an album that kind of is talking about the changing world at large and it really works in that context no for sure a lot of different topics on this album which is kind of cool to hear in r&b which is for the most part you know usually just about love and breakups and i guess nowadays turning up and all this other stuff (laughs) Uh, but speaking of change guys album sales have changed a lot We've seen Alicia Keys from the beginning of her career to now. Are you guys ready for her first week sales? Because this is something we love doing. I'm ready. I don't know if she is. <laughs> Alicia Keys is set to sell 33 to 38,000 first week. Thoughts? Is it what, what the last um, one do? The last one did man, what? The one with the housewife music? No, come on. You said that, not me. Let me, let me pull up the Wikif- I found, Wikipedia I facts it. here. I checked my facts, 159,000. Wow. So That's a big drop. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know. What does Alicia Keys sound like? Do you guys think she's lost her identity at all? Mm. Like, if I listen to That's Alicia like- Keys of her first two or three albums, I'm not hearing the same. I mean, I'm hearing an evolved version, but to me, it's, it doesn't That's quite line up with what I heard back then. I, I, I kind of say... disagree with that. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, go ahead, Kyle. Go I was gonna say, especially the first half of the uh, the new album, it does sound like classic Alicia Keys. It's that New York sound in her, and it's believable. So I don't, I don't think she's necessarily lost her sound. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's an interesting question, though. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say she's lost her sound at all, especially that um, she don't really care. That's some straight up. That sounds like that could be off the first album, right behind Girlfriend. Like she even has like the throwback to Nas's One Love. It is straight gritty R and B that she came up on. So I don't think she's lost the sound. I think that her sound has evolved in some ways. But the problem is she hasn't found a way on this album to tie her new sound with her evolved pop sound because, you know, pop sounds, let's just be honest, like that's going to pay the bills for her. So she's going to do a couple of those songs to try to get a hit and try to push some stuff ahead. And those just 
don't measure up to even her best no ones and those things that have really put her on the map. So she's, it's just like she tried and it just didn't click. So I don't think she lost it, but she didn't quite grab it. Okay, so she's not Usher then. <laughs> she is not guys, Usher. We try, no, we guys, we tried to go a whole podcast. <laughs> we tried to go a whole podcast without mentioning him, and there we go again. <laughs> it's been 15 minutes. You know what's going to happen. All right. Uh, Sorry. Oh, well, guys, let me ask you this. So I remember a couple of podcasts back when we were discussing the Usher album. I think for a little bit in all of us, when we when we saw his album sales come out, Obviously, we were like, wow, that's disappointing. But I think in all of us, there was a little bit of you kind of deserve it for, you know, conforming to this trap sound. Do you guys have the same sentiments or feelings towards Alicia Keys and, you know, her album sales? Is there sort of a you deserve it because? Well, here's my opinion. I just want to see artists work for it. We're seeing artists put out albums. And they're not even really promoting it at this point. It's like they think this traditional music industry model is going to work for them. You know, go go for a radio single, make a few appearances. That's not working. I keep we keep, keep talking about Tyrese every time, but he worked for it and he got creative, creative marketing. Look at Solange, the way she creatively marketed that album and put it out. We're going to talk about that probably later, but like that's. That's the way I like to see a project, you know, like have a plan for it. Don't just go this traditional route because it's not working, obviously. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, shout out to my man B. Oliver who um, hit me up after my review today, and he is a big Alicia Keys fan and R&B fan. He said he had no idea that the album was out, and this isn't just a casual fan. This is a fan who follows the music yet didn't know Alicia, who is probably, might be the biggest female R&B artist that we have right now, and didn't even know she dropped an album. Like, that's kind of ridiculous when you think about, especially the lack of competition, who else is dropping right now in R&B? Wait, I, I, female I actually have a, I have a theory on why no one knew about the album. She wasn't wearing makeup on the al- she wasn't wearing makeup on the album cover, so no, no one oh, could recognize her. They didn't make her invisible, doll. <laughs> we didn't know it was her. We thought that was someone else. Anyway, oh anyway, my what's the difference? My, my point is, artists like Tom said, they gotta grind harder. Like it's no more dropping one single, going on Good Morning America, performing your little raggedy song, and hoping that you go five raggedy in the first raggedy. That's not raggedy. That's not going to happen in 2016 when Solange can pop off of just Twitter buzz and Instagram and social media following. I'm not saying that that's the route everyone needs to take, but it shows that you need to be more creative to get your name out there and to get your music out there. You can't just go the traditional route. You know yeah, what? I mean, I tweeted you know out. I sure should tell you. Yeah, I saw your tweet, and people were responding like, what? She has an album coming out? But Usher, okay. after all the love we've shown Usher, week in and week out, he should have sought out You Know I Got Soul for an in-depth sit-down interview. And we could have helped spread the word, for real. We'd be like Anderson Cooper. Yes, we'd cover everything from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> he would have been well, crying by yeah, the end. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> uh, but I tweeted this out earlier, so I, got, I want your guys' perspective on this, all right? In 2016... 
Solange's album, I think, probably sold more than Alicia Keys and Usher's combined first week. Alicia Keys and Usher, two of the biggest, if not the two biggest from the last decade. Solange, Beyonce's little sister sold more. And and consider this, not even just Beyonce's little sister, Zero Buzz. Like, that album came out of nowhere. This isn't Usher who has been teasing an album for two years, or Alicia who had a somewhat visible, even if not successful, but still visible single earlier this year. Well, the way she did it was smart, though, because that one was their zero buzz and no notice of it. They, everyone was talking about it immediately, and it, it was a great project from all the reviews coming out, so everyone gravitated to it immediately, and people were forced to know about it. So... You know, how is that different from someone putting out a single months in advance, working the project, hoping the single blows up? I mean, how I'm just, I was confused by, like, how Solange did so well, really. Was that just the beehive all flocking to it? You know, like, oh, this is Beyonce's sister. We got to support. Like, I really, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Well, there are a couple different levels to this, and I missed the podcast last week, so I couldn't weigh in, so I get to do it now. But I do think that it, well, it's, first of all, it's weird because Solange and Beyonce, I know I'm the old head, so you guys don't know this, but back in the day, back when we had Prince and Michael Jackson doing their thing, back in my day, you couldn't like both. Like, you had to pick one. As stupid as it sounds, it's like you had to be on a certain team. And a lot of what I was seeing on my feed was, like, Beyonce versus Solange. But still, even that, and there were some beehive people hyping it up, of course. But the point is, there was buzz. So even if it was arguing about Solange is better than Bill, Bill is cheesing her shadow, or this is the album we've been waiting for, yada, yada, that was the promotion. Because I heard nothing about this album until my Twitter feed went nuts. So then I checked out the album, and I was like, this album is pretty good. So it has to be buzz, and it has to follow up with quality projects. Because as we know, Usher was not a quality project. At least it was fine. It was solid, but it wasn't the levels that we know she's reached. So, again, it has to be buzz, and it has to be quality. It can't be buzz and whackness. Because as much hype as y'all run up behind Young Thugger, he ain't moving no units. Young Thugger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Solange, remember, she hadn't had an album in eight years. She had all that buzz from jump kicking Jay Z in the elevator or whatever happened, and then uh, you know, apparently she has real fans even though she's never actually had a hit song, believe it or not. So, me and Kyle saw her at the Essence Festival perform, and there was like no one even in the arena yet. I remember that like a few years ago. Yeah, I remember that. She was dancing and stuff, and there was like three people in there. It was kind of sad. That was the year Beyonce was doing that. <laughs> I'm yep. serious. They put her on stage before the doors even opened. Didn't they? Yeah. Yep. This is true. <laughs> Man, uh, but moving on. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? She's going to be doing great now when she goes on tour, so no complaints from Solange, I'm sure. Obviously. Uh, so moving on from that, another RCA artist re- uh, released a album-slash-mixtape yesterday, which was Tinashe. Now, the last time we were talking about Tanache, my Samsung S4 blew up on me. She puts out um, a, she puts out a new project yesterday, and my phone seems to be fine. But guys, I mean, you know, obviously Tanache is not one of our core artists, but 
as I tweeted about this earlier, it's just so interesting to see the con- contrast between Tanashi, the mainstream artist, versus the Tanashi that we uh, discovered, you know, the underground, dark, moody-sounding Tanashi. And being that this is a mixtape, it kind of goes... His phone blew up. <laughs> True story. The phone blew up. This is too classic. He predicted it. Damn. Mid-sentence, the phone blew up. I am weak. Yo, my bad. The phone blew up? The phone blew up, dog. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, um, yeah. So, Tanashi released her project yesterday. It's kind of interesting to see the contrast between Tanashi, the mainstream artist, versus Tanashi, the, you know, the Tanashi that we discovered, the dark, moody-sounding, underground Tanashi. This new project, Night Ride, I believe it's called, goes back to that original sound. Like, have have we ever seen an artist where they had two separate sounds from two different type of projects? Like, I've never seen that before from anyone. Well, I no, think we've no seen one's it. coming to mind, but I feel like that's not that new. Can you think of anybody, Tom? I have to rack well, my brains for a minute. All I was going to say is what you're hearing is the real Tanache and the label created Tanache. I mean, I think that's all that really comes down to. It's like that's what the label is telling her she has to make what will work on radio versus who she really is. I mean, the sad part no, is really sure. that she's, she's never really going to – it's like the label has no idea what to do at this point. That's the sad part. No, for sure, because I look at it as like her image screams pop star. You know, she can dance. She has the image of someone that – you know, is a pop star, but her music is like the opposite of that. It's so dark and moody that it seems like it would more it would have more of a cult following than a mainstream following. And you know, it, it's interesting you mention like because we're trying to think of different artists who may have experienced the same thing. Like even someone like The Weeknd, he's sort of deviated from his original sound, but Tanasha keeps playing back and forth with her with hers. So I don't know. It just it just seems like an interesting case to me. It's interesting, but I think Tom hit it on the head. I think it's probably the difference between what she's being told to do and what she wants to do. And she has more freedom to do the sound that she wants on her mixtape projects. But when it's time for the label to say, do whatever, then they do whatever. I think what we're seeing now is like the last remnants of major label signing R&B artists. And and Tanache is one of the last ones. And you see them struggling, finding ways to release them. We saw... DJ Chicago Kid come out recently. They didn't know what to do with him on Motown. Kalani's actually having some success at Atlantic. I'm curious to see what happens in her future. The drama's definitely helping her, though. But really, it's sad, guys. There's not many major labels that have R&B artists left on the roster, and I think that's going to get even lower in the in the coming years. But Tanache, I don't know if she'll last much longer on the label. We'll have to just see. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, I forgot to talk about this last time with you guys, but that new Mary J. Lodge record, Thick of It, man, that song oh, yeah. just blew up on the Urban A. That, that song ch- topped the Urban AC charts in, like, record historical timing. In, like, three weeks, it hit number one. Yeah, I mean, it was a record. And, I mean, it was a record for that record. It just blew up. And it's a great song, so good for Mary J. for coming up and bringing it back. But, man, people took to that record. Uh, can I play devil's uh, advocate real quick? You always do. 
<laughs> and good song, but really, was there any, is there any competition? I feel like there's oh, less and less competition on Urban AC at this point. So if you're a major label artist going for Urban AC, you have, like, no one really to, to fight with at this point. So That's a great point, too. You've yeah. got money in your pocket, you're going to go up to the top. That's my opinion. So You might be right on that. Because there's a Tyrese song at number three on the charts, and I've never, I didn't even know it was a single. Waiting <laughs> on you? <laughs> Me either. So, wow. Yeah, so I mean, that's the way, that's the climate we're in, you know, at Urban AC. It's, it's, it's a weird time we're in, really. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, look at Ro James. No. He does a chart for 41 weeks with that song. That's crazy. I mean, and I mean, I love that song, but you're right about Mary J. When there's no competition, it's easy to pop and fly right up the chart. Now, I would have beef if the song was hot garbage, and it's not. But you know, it's a good song, so it deserves the recognition it's getting. Amen. Absolutely. It seems to be climbing up the. uh, Yeah. Well, my bad, Tom. It seems to be climbing up the urban charts as well somehow. So I'm actually really curious to see how it does on that chart. I've just taken a quick glance at the Urban AC charts. How did the Fantasia album end up doing? Do you know? Um, it came and it went. Jeez, that's sad. It's sad, man. That's she's a true artist, and it's just she's a true yep. artist. But again, let me play devil's advocate. Uh, the album was <laughs> just all right. Like it wasn't Jeez. like we missed out on some classic. It was an okay release. And I think a lot of fans were, at least the ones I talked to, were even a little disappointed in it because the expectations were really high. And it was just okay. Speaking of came and went, Keith Sweat's in a number 10 on the charts right now. What do you mean <laughs> came and went? That man's been holding it down since the spring. <laughs> man. Sorry. Um, had, had guys, can we talk- Guys, can we talk about another artist right now? He, we don't really talk about him too much, but he just put out a song that came probably straight from 1991, and that's Bruno Mars, who has been putting out a bunch of singles, and they sort of all have that funk, I wouldn't call maybe not R&B, but you know, in that realm, in that world. Can, can we talk about his new single first, Versace on the Sheets? Listen, Ed, that we seems can like talk something all that day. Can, we can talk all day, because it's like he made that song for your boy. Because that song is some straight up 1991 Brian McKnight on the couch with Video Soul with Donnie Simpson and his eye, his green eyes talking about this single. That's how this joint rocks. I don't know what Bruno is sniffing or smoking or knowing him, probably all of it. But anyway, this album might be something, player. Because for these, that single, the earlier one, the, um, 24K Magic, and I think that song that he performed on some talk show, um, I think it was called, like, Chunky or something. All three of those songs are fantastic. He might be sitting on a sleeper player. That's all I'm saying. I'm very interested in this album because three singles of this quality, I'm like, whoa, what you got cooking? And, Kyle, you asked, can he save R&B? And my answer to that he will not acknowledge one bit that he's making R&B music. Oh, regardless. It's like not. It's like these days, if you admit you're making R&B, it's like you have to play. So that's my analysis of that. <laughs> Fair enough. But now, Tom, I know you're up. I know you... Well, no, Tom, I know you love your pop music. You love all pop artists like Pitbull and Flo Rida. Um, yes. 
<laughs> but I know I I think we all can say like isn't it cool that you have a pop star out there like Bruno Mars who just seems to be making the music that he likes and it actually has some substance to it. Yeah, I agree with that. There actually are some pop artists making decent music, believe it or not. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard Megan Trainer, but she actually has some decent songs that are, are 90s R&B influenced too. I hear all these pop songs at the gym, and I think she could sing too. Uh, but that that Tom, don't, really come Tom, don't you like it. the huh? Wait, Tom, do you like the chain smoke the chain smokers? Absolutely not. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. I'm so tired of hearing these songs, man. That quickly oh, ends. Trainer is um she's one of those artists that I feel like I should like, but I just like I recognize her talent, but I just none of the songs stick with me. But she definitely is, does have some nineties influence music. I will agree there. The thing is it's like when you hear all these pop songs, it's like at least that stands out among them. Yeah. Like, some some substance and some talent. Like a lot of these are just mindless little jingles that are so annoying. You know, it's it's just like it's good to hear something. So, and it's because the the actual artist has talent; she can sing right. for real, and that's why it actually sticks with you. It's just I haven't yet to hear a song from her where I'm like, "Oh, that rocks!" Throw it on yeah. your iPod. Like that hasn't happened yet. But I give her props for at least not sounding like hot and garbage. I can't say that for some of her peers. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I was on uh, I was I was on YouTube just randomly because I was looking at that um. That song you just mentioned, the Bruno Mars. And yeah. on the sidebar, like the suggestions, one of them was Justin Bieber for, uh, I think it was Sorry or whatever. You know, that has two two billion views on YouTube. How is that even possible? Because the Believers are maniacs, Claire. <laughs> they just, I think they just put <laughs> video on on like repeat and just go to sleep and let it play while they're asleep. Like they will do stuff like that just to get the numbers up. Wow. But I will see tweets that are like, let's get. Bieber to, well, I guess they call him Justin. Let's get Justin to 1 billion views. I'm like, player, go back to the ninth grade and, like, study it. Like, do your homework. <laughs> Grown folks got stuff to do. Crazy. Yeah. Um, guys, there's another project that was just announced recently. Obviously, we have the Joe album, which is coming next week, so we'll probably talk about that a little more next week. But a project we can look forward to is John Legend's upcoming album, which comes out in December um, he has a single that's actually charting on pop right now. Mm. Yeah, about that. <laughs> about that. <laughs> we lost another one. I mean, John Legend, I don't think, is, is ever coming back to what he was. I, I don't know. He's a, he's a celebrity now, you know? It changes things. It, I mean, isn't I that like a, it, kind of like a dancey the same song? thing as Alicia. Like, it's the same thing. They start out R&B into advance the sound, and to get more listeners and more money, they had to go to pop root. And it yeah. worked at one point. We'll see if they can continue it, because those pop audiences are so fickle. R&B fans... Well, would you guys say that... Well, would you guys say that John Legend, his popularity and how it's remained, how much... Give me a percentage. How much of that is because of Kanye West? Well, I thought that you mean the door in 2016? I think that opened the door for him. I don't think that has any matter now. What do you yeah, think? I agree. No, I mean, if we were talking 2005, I would agree with that. But at this point, are, do people even remember that he's associated with Kanye? Other than, you know, fans who were with him from jump. I think fans who didn't only knew him from, like, 
the All of Me song, had no idea he was with Kanye. So I don't think it really has much to do with it now. Mm. It wasn't his first album Trash. Didn't didn't the, the only song, didn't Ordinary People save the whole project? But the first album? No. no. Trash. No. There's, there's a couple. Uh, it wasn't great, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been I forever love- since I listened to it, but I, I remember it being overhyped. I definitely remember people yeah. hyping it up, and I'm like, this isn't as great as people are saying. But I don't remember. Yeah, I remember people. Garbage. I remember people throwing it out as, as a classic. No. Yes. I, yes, they were. Yes, they were. Now, yeah, they, they were. Now, once again, I'm just saying, it's a classic to me. The second album? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come Clearly, on. Clearly, Tom is over there. Claire, you are over there. You got Bruno Mars over there with you, because you are smoking something if you think that second album is a classic. What? Did you didn't listen to it? I did, clearly you didn't. What are you talking about? You don't like Save it? Room is a good song. Save Room is a good song, though. Oh, yeah, goodness. Save Room. I mean, it's a good album, but by no means is it a classic. I don't Jeez. think he's got anywhere. He hasn't gotten anywhere near a classic. So I don't think John Legend would... Hmm? I don't think John Legend would even consider that album to be a classic. Oh, my but goodness. I'm just saying. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, John Legend be like, um, that one was alright. We paid the bills with that one. <laughs> you guys are horrible. We didn't even get to debate the Alicia Keys album. Jeez. Uh, anyways, moving on. Anyways, oh, we can go moving on. Like, yes. Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's switch it up. Let's go to the food discussion because we all love talking about food. Halloween just happened. Um, I, I hope none of you guys are still trick or treating. Listen, I could get away with it. <laughs> well, geez. Um, Candy's like seventy five percent off now in the stores. That's a good thing for some people. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like by now it's just garbage candy left. You're gonna be in there eating like milk duds and whoppers. Like, what kind of weirdo? Well, you probably <laughs> would. Well, drinking your oh, skim milk and whatnot. And I don't remember, I don't know if I uh, stole this from your Facebook, but there was a website that ranked twenty-seven Halloween candies from worst to best. No, I saw that post, and I'm annoyed because um, a couple years ago at my former job, we did a video that was similar to it, and I wanted to expand it and do like kind of like a twenty worst candies. But then this person beat me, so I'm like, "Crap! I gotta wait till next year." Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna throw out a couple of candy, and you guys give me your initial thoughts or opinion on these candies. You guys ready? Oh, I got. I'm yep. ready. Tootsie rolls. Yeah. Yeah, baby. That just makes me think of the song. But um, no. That the regular ones are eh, but the flavor ones are okay. All right, next one we have nerds. Oh, off the chain. Yeah, Ooh, I like nerds. Droplets from heaven, player. I like nerds. Yeah. All right, next one. Snickers. Eh, I like them, but 
like, you can't go crazy on them. Because, first of all, they get all in your teeth and you just feel gross. But And they're really, like, heavy. They're good, but I don't go nuts. We've got a bunch left over from the trick-or-treaters. All right, next one, um, Smarties. No, definitely not. <laughs> They're all right, but, like, that's, like, borderline grandma candy. Like, that's the candy you get when you go to the dentist, and they like, you have no cavities. Let me give you a treat. Here's some Smarties. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, we've got two left. I want you guys to decide which one is better. So we've got Skittles, and we've got Starburst. See, oh. see. Tell you, that's like telling between Missy and Timberland. No, no, no. it's not. Tell literally, <laughs> Starburst is too much work, man. You gotta peel each oh, one individually. <laughs> that's so much work. That's work gum doesn't even want to peel. You just want to eat it with the paper on it. Do you eat bananas with the peel on it? You weirdo. <laughs> but it's so much work. Who wants to work for candy? You just want to rip the bag and just eat the whole thing. I'm just saying. Oh my God, Tom! We are gonna lock you away, dude. You need <laughs> psychiatric help. Can peel the candy to play rapper off your candy, dog. I'd rather eat banana chips than that. Oh, stop! <laughs> banana chips! Oh my God! Oh wow! <laughs> Good thing you didn't come trick or treat at my house. You would have got yogurt I'm and like... granola. Yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the Leo household is giving out. Floss and mouthwash? I am going to pass. <laughs> oh, man. St- string cheese? Is that on the menu, Tom? String cheese? No. Come on, man. That's a lot of work, too. Yeah, you know, every single freaking one. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I just figured you just bite into the whole thing like a barbarian, <laughs> so you just eat the paper anyway. <laughs> man. Well, I've got nothing to say after that. Okay. Uh, so num- number one on this list was Kit Kat. Yeah, that's fine. The best what? Halloween candy like, Kit Kat. The best Halloween candy is Kit Kat. Come on now. The best? No, the, well, what is I, it, what is it Ed? It's, it's like saying the best R&B artist is Trey Songz. Like, chill out. Ouch. Trey Songz is Kit Kat? Damn. Damn. Yeah, he is the Kit Kat of it. I mean, you're all right, but nobody's going to be hyped off of a Kit Kat. Like, if you Wait. get it in your bag, you're like, oh, a Kit Kat. That's a high five of a single out called Kit Kat. High five has a single called Kit Kat? I should know. I'm dead serious. It's out right now. What? I'm you looking at YouTube. It, 2014. Ed doesn't listen to, Kit, to High Five in 2014. Dude, they oh, just yes, released I a video do. this year. They released a video two months ago. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Wait, maybe it's a re-release. I just interviewed them. Remember, yeah. they played at Soul Village. Yeah, they got um, different kisses off the chain. But, but I have not heard of this Kit Kat song. Oh, man. No, Tom. Tom, I'm looking at the... So they released an EP in 2014 and Kit Kat's on it. And the video came out September 20th, 2016. I'm looking at our site. Boy, that video took a while to save up. These are these streets is hard. And that's so messed up. That's messed up. Oh, shout out to my boys. I love High Five. But um, it took y'all a while to get them Kit Kat coins together. (laughs) 
Catcorn. <laughs> All right, so before we end this off, then, Ed, what is the best Halloween candy? That is a difficult question. However, I will go with Lemonheads. Lemonheads? Yeah, the hell are Lemonheads? You don't know what a Lemonhead is? Yeah, that's kind of gross. Let me take a, let me take a look. I cannot believe that you don't know what oh. I can't wait no, until no, I know. this when I when this gets posted and our listeners hear that you the two don't know what a lemon head is. I know what it is. Mentions. I know what it is. Hey, I know wait. No, I know what this is. These taste like the uh, the orange wrapper Halloween candy, right? Oh my god. With that black no, that is <laughs> that tastes like Satan's like trash. No. <laughs> That's so, black if, candy, all right. that is the worst can I ever created. Let me make Hold a Hold on, before we fit. All right. This super wife is not going not gonna to like Lemonheads. No, she's not. No she's problem. probably not going to feel that. So there we go. All right, so, all right, before we end this off, let's end this on a good note. If Trey Songs is Kit Kat, who would be the black and orange Halloween candy? <laughs> uh, the dream came to mind. Um... <laughs> The dream, oh man! Yeah, Jeremiah, yeah. Jeremiah comes to mind. <laughs> throw T Pain in there. Yeah, oh, throw T Pain in there. Yeah, I mean, and they, wait. I can't disagree with Mister Banana Chips on this one. Yes, I think you you got that. All right, can I do another one? Who is the three Musketeers? Right. Oh, the three oh, Musketeers. <laughs> Tori Lanez, um, Bryce Tor- Miller, um, who else? Party I'm Next Door. Yes, there you go. They're the three. Dude, you don't like Three Musketeers? Are you kidding me? You don't like they taste like like what is it? Like have you like, looked at what they what that is? It's like it's the whip. inside of a couch cushion. It's like a whipped uh, nougat or something. I don't know. It's, like, not human. Like, what is that? Well, my my three musketeers is, like, Cisco, uh, Genuine, and uh, Case. That's my that's that's my three musketeers. Good Lord. Don't throw Case in there with that. <laughs> oh, shout out to Case. And the last one we got to talk about, candy corn. Candy corn is oh. by far the most polarizing candy out there. Oh. The first three are good. After that, it starts going downhill. <laughs> what is that like? A, what is, it's like so, drinking with is, Tom. The first three are good, and then it just goes downhill. <laughs> Wait, so the first three, the first three are good, and then it's bad. So candy corn is like one twelve. I'm just oh, come oh, on, man. Oh, <laughs> oh, the fifth one twelve album was good. You know that. Cal wins okay. tonight. Cal wins the podcast. <laughs> it, it was okay. Jeez. Wait, what about what about Jagged Edge? Who are they? Yeah, uh, they're probably. Like, they, uh, yeah, I don't know how to go with that one. I'm not touching these. Well, guys, well, guys, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I don't plan on spending my sad Saturday evening comparing R&B artists to different Halloween candies. So, and uh, I'll pass it on to you. Uh, what it's going on on SolarCereal.com. 
Well, if you haven't checked out Soul and Stereo lately, get your life right and go stop by and see what's up because we got a bunch of stuff up. We've got Alicia Keys' album review is up. Um, probably by the time this posts, you will see Common's album review if you are into that. It kind of falls right into that theme of what Alicia was going to because, of course, Common's bread and butter is the socially conscious stuff. So we got that popping. That will probably be up by Sunday or Monday. And just tons of other stuff. I've got a post about top five great R&B albums you might have missed this year. So those of you who are saying, there's no good R&B, obviously you probably don't listen to this podcast because we talk about the good stuff. But I also list a few albums that we didn't get a chance to review or talk about at length that might be on your radar. Got some rap albums, too. That's a separate post. So check it out. Anyways, uh, we're going to call it a day for this podcast. Tom and Ed, it's been a pleasure. We're going to do this again soon, and we out. All right. We out.